My dad basically taught us through example and hard work. He's always hardworking, and we learned from him. And he also had like a, a nice life. He was able to come home early and coach our soccer games and be part of our lives. And that was pretty attractive to me at the time. We never feel like we owed it to him to be part of the practice, and I think that's why it worked. It seemed only a matter of time before Justin Boyd, Dartmouth 96, would enter the profession of dentistry, since three generations of dentists and his family preceded him. But juggling life as a Division I student-athlete made the pre-med life one based on time management and soul-searching. Find out how sometimes observing those closest to you and getting advice from the sidelines can give you useful information about the life you should be living on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. So today I'm here with Justin Boyd, and we are going to talk about the bonds of family and what that sometimes means to our paths, um, but talk about a whole other side of who you can be as an individual. So welcome, welcome to the podcast, Justin. Thanks a lot. I'm happy to be here. So I actually start with the same question of all of my guests, which is when we were in college, who did you think you were? And around the time we were leaving, who did you think you were going to become? That's a tough question. (laughs) I think coming to college, I had no idea who I was. Um, I knew I was interested in medicine. I didn't know really where that was going to take me. I was a pre-med major at Dartmouth. Also played lacrosse for the men's lacrosse team. So balancing the pre-med major and lacrosse and also being involved in fraternity was difficult from a time management perspective. But I think it really, you know, helped me in my life and balancing the job as a business owner in the uh, dental field. Yeah. So I know that you are now a practicing dentist and that might seem like a foregone conclusion if one were to say he's the which which generation in this fourth generation fourth generation boyd in doctors boyd but was that to a 20 some year old justin a foregone conclusion so i'll tell you a little story about my experience and how i became interested in dentistry Um, i'd always gone into my dad's office and helped around in the laboratory. In my grandfather's house when I was a little kid, he had a dental office in his basement. Um, So he would go downstairs and actually play with mercury, which (laughs) probably isn't a good thing to do. I thought you were going (laughs) to say the twisty chair, but okay, mercury. He played with old school mercury. They used to mix the fillings together, um, and then they put it in patients' mouths. And we would play with the mercury because it was fun to play with. It Mm -hmm. was, you you know, liquid metal. But obviously now that's pretty toxic. Hopefully I don't have any long-term effects from that. Um, (laughs) So I had that kind of growing up experience. But I always thought I was interested in medicine. And I did a few internships at the hospital in town in Hanover. And then one game we played, we had a little after-game party with parents. And I was speaking with one of my teammates' fathers, who was a physician. And he and I were just talking about whether he thought medicine versus dentistry what did he see in the next 20 years for medicine and also you know what my dad's and and uncle's practice had over medicine or what benefits that might have over medicine and he thought that medicine was going to be run by insurance and that dentistry would be a fee for service type of a field and not really affected much by insurance because everybody needs dentistry it's not really something you can really insure against i mean yeah you can insure against certain things, but really everybody just needs dental care. So 
I took that information from him and I said to my dad, you know, do you think I'd be a good dentist? And this is probably my junior year in college. And he said, yeah, I think you'd be a good dentist. And that was it. That was it. <laughs> That's how I did. That was it. So I was like, all right, maybe I'll try this. Okay. But I know, um, I know there are others in your generation that are part of this practice, but yes. it, do you have um, any siblings? I have a cousin who he and I were both the same year. He went to Harvard and I went to Dartmouth, obviously. Um, and he was a 96 at Harvard and he kind of had a similar experience. He was a classics major at, at, uh, Harvard and he played on the JV lacrosse team and soccer team. And he kind of, he was pre-med, but he, he didn't really know where he was going. And I think it kind of seemed like it fit. It felt, it feels comfortable. Also, when you work with family, it's really pretty nice. Um, we get to hang out with our dads every day of the week, which is pretty cool if you get along with them. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah, so my cousin and I joined the practice together. We each took a year off after Dartmouth to take the dental aptitude test and get our applications in line. He taught at Trinity School in the city, he taught Latin actually for a year. And then I, I worked in the office and did some internships, like little externships with some family friend dentists in different fields like periodontics and orthodontics, endodontics, and I just spent kind of two weeks at different offices and got a feel for the dental field that way. And do you have siblings? I have a twin sister. She lives in Switzerland. She and I actually had our graduation on the same exact day. My parents had to flip oh. coins uh, to decide where they were going. Oh, no. So, so I didn't get to see her graduate, but that's a funny story. And then I have a middle brother. He lives out in California. And then I, my younger brother, Andrew is Dr. Andrew. He's 10 years younger than me. He graduated from Penn and then went on to Columbia Dental School. Does he work and, in the practice? Oh, yeah. He joined the practice uh, in about 10 years ago. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. but he gets the kind of later stage thing. So when you looked at your dad and said, you think I'd be a good dentist? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it like, had he been just dying for somebody to want to do this or was he? See, my dad's pretty quiet, just a soft-spoken individual. He doesn't pressure. We never felt any pressure. And I think that's why it worked was because we never really felt any pressure. We never feel like we owed it to him to be part of the practice. And I think that's why it worked. I mean, he taught us, I mean, my dad basically taught us through example and hard work. He's always hardworking and we learn from him. And he also had like a, a nice life. He was able to come home early and coach our soccer games and be part of our lives. And that was pretty attractive to me at the time too, is to not be stuck on call, you know, on the weekends and things like that. And typically with dentistry, we don't really have too many emergencies. And a lot of the emergencies that we have can wait until Monday morning. Or they could be handled with a phone call. We do have some times where we need to go in. For example, uh, over the quarantine, we had a patient whose future son-in-law was teeing off in a golf, or his brother was teeing off in a golf box, and the ball ricocheted off the yardage marker and hit him in the face and broke his jaw. Oh, so, so my brother was free at the time. He went in with an oral surgeon, and they spent probably four or five hours on the patient and left at like 3 a.m. in the morning oh. after after um, they wired him shut and then they fixed his teeth too. So wow. Wow. Yeah, so those, those kinds of things we come in for. But uh, typically they can be handled with, with a phone call and, you know, we're, all, we're pretty accessible to our patients. Yeah, yeah. And so there was that period of time where you were new to the practice, but now you've been there since the end of dental school, right? 2001. Yeah. So about yeah. 19 years. Yeah. And 
that certainly has been a period of time for this family practice to change. Some things stay the same, the name for right. sure, um, and I'm sure the values underlying it. But you and and your generation have kind of changed things a bit, or at least helped helped the business to change. So talk a bit about that real estate and all kinds of things. Yeah. So when we came into the practice, my dad, my uncle, and they had a associate, uh, Dr. Krauss, and he ended up leaving the practice because there were too many Boyds in, in the office. So, <laughs> uh, so we ended up taking over some more space in our building. We, after, about two years after joining, we built out our space. So now that we have 11 treatment rooms, about 5,000 square feet. In the city, in Manhattan. In Manhattan, yeah. 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 And then we also have an in-house laboratory where we do a fair amount of the lab work ourselves. And we have now, like recently, we added a 3D printer to our laboratory and we're doing a lot of digital scanning. We have two digital scanners, so we can actually digitally scan patients' mouths, uh, and then we can print 3D models of their teeth out of plastic. To help you figure out where they're going to go next, like if they need yeah, to move. Yeah, so to help with like a, their, their bite or their treatment plan, you can actually print the models and then send them out to laboratories and have devices fabricated on those models. We also can print, like if somebody needs a crown, we can take a digital impression instead of like the goopy moldy impression mm -hmm. we can take a digital impression there's no goop we're just taking photos of your teeth that string the photos into a three-dimensional image and then that image gets printed out into a plastic model and then the lab can then make the crown on top of that 3d model and so other practices might kind of ship out all, all of that stuff. Like they'll they'll take the pictures, but they won't have the way to do them. Well, typically, like the old school way is to take regular impressions. Still, it's a good thing to do. But now with technology, uh, we can do these things and make it more comfortable for the patients. Very cool. So that's kind of taken the the dentistry side into a new era. Have yeah. you been involved in the business side and how how have, how have you been able to kind of do both and and what are you finding that you like and you don't like about Yeah, so from the business perspective, my father still kind of controls the business aspect of the office. However, from a business management perspective, I've been handling the employees. We have 25 employees in the office. So I handle employee reviews, I handle hiring employees, dealing with payroll, those kinds of things. And then my father handles paying the bills and keeping track of numbers and things like that. But more and more, some of those responsibilities are now being passed on to me because he's 76 and at some point he's going to stop doing it. Yeah. So I get to have a lot more, a lot more on my plate when that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'll have to look to the fifth generation <laughs> to yeah, try we'll see. it. Yeah, yeah. So um, talk to me about that generation. Are you finding that you have time like your father did to do coaching and things? Because I know that sports were such a big part. You were a captain. You didn't just play. Right. right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I make time for my kids. I The nice thing about being a dentist is you can block out your schedule. And we also work in a group practice. So we have five doctors that are able to cover the office. So I'm able to just plan ahead and make sure that I can be there a couple times a week for a lacrosse practice. I typically spend my time coaching lacrosse because that's what I know best. And then stick to spectating for football. Even though I did play football in high school, I'm not really one of those type of football coaches. They're a little bit, a little rah-rah for me. Um, but my kids all play football too. So I spend time making sure I can get to their games and uh, whenever I can. 
And that's the nice thing about dentistry is you can really block out your schedule. I remember my dad, when I played lacrosse at Dartmouth, my dad would, we used to have week midweek games sometimes. <laughs> and he would work until one o'clock and then he'd drive from New York straight up to, or maybe work until 12 or 11 or something like that. And then drive up to uh, Hanover in the day, see my game and then drive home. And it's pretty nice to be able to do that. And I'm looking yeah. forward to possibly doing that with my kids. Maybe they'll play in college. Um, I have one, a high school junior, you know, we're kind of going through the process and it might be nice to at some point be able to, you know, sneak out early from the office and catch his games. Hopefully yeah, they're within it, a short drive. Yeah, exactly. No Stanford. But it's not sneaking out. That's the nice thing. It's built into the practice and it's built right. into the ethos of what you do. And so yes. yeah. the kind of decision of this, I think that that I, I hope you remember who the the parent was that you could write a note someday to say, wow, that was really prescient to say that big yeah. medicine was going to turn into this other thing. And then on top of it, you get the lifestyle. So right, right. that's a pretty great, great path. Had you not had that conversation with that guy? What path do you think you might have spun off to, onto? It's interesting, right? I mean, I don't, you know, I think probably I would have gravitated towards it eventually. I had a long road ahead of me with my Pre, like my pre-med classes at Dartmouth were quite difficult. Most of the classes were graded on a mean. The mean was at, set at like a B minus. Yeah. So if you didn't put in the time, which I didn't always have time to put in the time for a lot of these classes. And I also was trying to feel out the studying. I think, I don't think I was really prepared from in my high school to, for the rigor of Dartmouth and then also to manage with uh, sports. But I think once I figured out how to study, which was probably like junior year, I actually kind of figured out actually how to study. I started picking my grades back up. And I think that helped me show to the dental school, you know, the change in my grade point average. And they'd like to see obviously progressing towards, you know, the something better and then, then declining grades. And that helps a lot. I also, instead of taking organic chemistry up at Dartmouth, I took it at Pace University in the summer. So I could really just focus in on that and really spend my time and it paid off because I did well in that and was able to do really well on the dental aptitude test by just spending time just focusing in on one thing. I think probably my cousin and I talked a lot about you know what it would mean if both of us would go into practice together and we were all excited about that. We also spent three years living together at Columbia Dental School, Upper West Side in Manhattan. Uh, we lived on 170th Street and Haven Avenue, which is basically one of the three tall buildings you see when you cross over from New Jersey into New York, right to the right side. Uh, you can see those three buildings there in the in the Columbia Health Campus. So we lived there overlooking the river for three years, and we had a great time together. We really enjoyed studying together and going to classes. We were anatomy partners, and anatomy, actually, one, uh, that was probably one of the favorite classes I had at in dental school was anatomy. And it was just a real gift that people give by donating their bodies. And we learned so much from from that. I think it was one of the most you know amazing experiences that I had in my time learning at Columbia. Probably living and, and working that closely with your cousin was a great test to whether you could be in practice together and what I that think you're right. Be. Yeah. Yeah. We have, a, I mean, we have much different personalities, but in the end, we really just, we get along. We, our families hang out together. Uh, whenever we can, although we all, you know, everyone does different things, but we always find time to find like a weekend to ski in the winter together and uh, get our kids together. 
Nice. Nice. Yeah. So it sounds like you definitely found a great path. I guess we try to think about these stories as you're in the place you're supposed to be, at least right now. Um, but if you could look back at that 20-something-year-old Justin, I mean, wh- what are those kind of takeaways from Dartmouth, particularly Dartmouth sports, because you were so involved in that, that kind of help you when you think about either the way that you deal with your family or the business? Like, are there are there things that you learned in the whole being a student athlete that help you, do you think? Yeah, I think really budgeting time. I think that's the biggest thing that being an athlete teaches you is to really learn how to budget your time, try to make the most of the limited time that you have to be as productive as possible. Um, and I think I've taken that to my family. I have I have five kids, so Ooh. it's a lot. <laughs> so yeah. I have I have a 17-year-old, twin 16-year-olds, a 12-year-old, and a four-year-old daughter. So four boys and a daughter. And somehow manage it all. <laughs> so, oh my goodness! But I th- yeah, I think oh no, I think even like in dental school, I think I think being a, a Division One athlete and going to a very difficult academic school really prepared me for dental school and the time budget because dental school is pretty demanding. The first two years are quite demanding. We had this awesome anatomy professor, this guy, Dr. Melvin Moss, and this was like the first day where we get our white coats. And he goes, four hours of sleep pass, five hours of sleep fail. And we're all sitting there like just quaking. And this is like one of the first, this is orientation week. Oh. And, and we're like, one, and we're sitting there like, you know, white knuckles. We're like, oh my God, is this what this is going to be like? And he was pretty much right, actually. Oh gosh. So that was the kind of level of commitment that we had to make mm-hmm. uh, in those first two years was really putting in a lot of time. Um, it was actually harder than med school because not only do we have all the med school classes, but we also have dental, dental school classes on top of that. So we had kind of really double the work that some of the med students had. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of work, but it definitely mm-hmm. Dartmouth prepared me for, for it. And I succeeded at in dental school and um, was able to get a really coveted residency at the Manhattan VA hospital uh, where I did that for a year. Uh, and then right after that, I felt prepared enough to come into the practice and help take care of the patients at our office. And the one, the one thing about our, maybe I can just tell you a little bit about what I like a, what I did today. Um, yeah. So you know a little bit about what I did. So today I had a patient who came in and she was tired of looking at her yellow teeth on, on Zoom. <laughs> so she was just, she's like, I just can't stand my yellow teeth. I really want them fixed. Like, and so I looked at them and I said, well, you know, you can't whiten them because they're pretty worn down. There's a lot of wear from years. She was in her 60s and there's a lot of wear. There's also discoloration because she had some old silver fillings and different fillings here and there. And so we decided together that the best thing to do would be to do porcelain veneers. She also needed crowns on the back teeth too. And when she smiled, she really showed a lot of teeth. Mm. So she couldn't get away with maybe doing the front six teeth she really had to do 12 teeth. So today was the day where I actually cemented six crowns and six veneers for her. And I spent about three and a half, four hours with her today, this afternoon, putting them in, trying them in each one carefully, getting the shaping right. Because when it comes back from the lab, you have to spend some time um, working on them in our laboratory when they come back. I was there at 6.30 this morning. I spent two hours 
on her laboratory work in the lab this morning from 6.30 to 8.30. And then she came in at 1, and I worked uh, worked on her from 1 to 4, 4.30, something like that. So that's the kind of dentistry that we do. We do smile makeovers, but we're really concerned about the health of patients' teeth and making sure not, not only that they look good, but that they really fit well and they function well and really give patients something that'll last for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing, too, also just about our family. One of the nice things about having a family practice is we, we kind of keep each other accountable for their dentistry. You know, I think it, when you work for a group practice and other people see your work, you want to be proud of it. You want to you want people to be proud of your work. You want when my dad goes in there and does an exam on one of my patients, and I'm out at a lacrosse game, and he sees, wow, that's some really nice dentistry that that Dr. Justin did. And uh, we all go by our first name. I go by Dr. Justin. My cousin's Dr. Ned. My brother's Dr. Andrew. And my dad's Dr. Alvin, and my uncle is Dr. Norman. Because so. you're all boys. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, we go by our first names. So it's really a fun thing to be able to really transform someone's smile and really improve their confidence. So you said that the family practice kind of gives you a little bit more accountability in your work. Yes. Is there also an element that it gives you accountability to actually leave work? Like, are you checking on each other and being like, okay, you've done too much or you have, you've missed too many lacrosse games or whatever? Like, are you, do you, do you think that that is more because you're a family than it might happen in a typical practice? I think we all pretty much are able to tell each other when it's time that they need some time off. You know, right now my uncle is slowing down. My dad and my uncle are kind of in the phasing out of the practice, which is kind of nice because that's the goal of the practice is to try to get some of their patients who've been seeing them for 40 plus years to be comfortable seeing us. And my dad's done a quite quite a good job of doing that transition early. He's been really doing it since I came into the practice. And my dad had a real high volume of patients, so he was looking forward to me joining the practice and helping him out with his overflow of patients. And now my uncle is taking a step back a bit. He's working three days a week now. And that helps transition patients to his son, Dr. Ned, and, you know, I think we all are able to take time off and relax a bit. Right. We definitely take a lot of vacations, so that's good. That is good. That is yeah. good. Well, I know those vacations come with a lot of work ahead of them. So right, right. Um, this has really been a great conversation. I'm, I'm so pleased to hear about a, a family business, a family practice that works as well as yours seems to. And it seems to do good things for your lifestyle, too. So... Thanks so much for talking. All right. Thanks, Leslie. That was Justin Boyd, just one of the many Dr. Boyds at the Midtown Manhattan Dental Practice founded in 1930, Drs. Boyd. Though he may be on the sidelines or among the coaching staff at one of his five kids' games, you can try to find him at Drs. Boyd, that's D-R-S-B-O-Y-D, dot com. And find me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, at roadstakenshow.com or with another friend on the next Roads Taken.